boy, that was awesome. That was so awesome. I, I love music. Don't you love music? And God's music is the best music there is. And uh, boy, I love that. I love the conservative nature of your music here and the quality by which it was sung to bring praise and honor and glory, not to this group that sang, but to the Lord Jesus Christ and lift him up. That's one of my favorite songs. I've not heard that for a few years. I actually got to sing in an ensemble with that in my church in, uh, in Ohio years ago. I, I think there were 12 of us in a big ensemble. And I love music. I always led all of my congregational songs. And I had a big choir. My wife is my pianist. And we've uh, worked together for 32 years. And I do kind of miss that in pastoring every week of getting to uh, do that, being in different churches now. But uh, that blessed my heart. So thank you very, very much for the time and the preparation. You know, if you, if you don't understand music, you don't understand what goes into making that happen. Uh, they didn't just run over that one time and say, okay, we're ready to go. There probably were hours and hours and different practices and rehearsals. And thank God for musicians that do that to the glory and honor of God. But it's a blessing to those of us that hear. Amen. And a wonderful, wonderful crowd today. They just keep coming in, as the preacher said. And so I'm glad about that. And uh, thank you all for being here in this place. You know, I've heard for years that churches in the Northeast are dying. That may be the case in some places, but this place is alive. And I thank God for that. And you should be thrilled that you have this Heritage Baptist Church as your home church. And uh, I didn't get to meet the folks from Arizona, but uh, I trust that your church is likewise a place where you're refreshed every Sunday. Don't you think it says well of that, those, those folks, even on vacation, they still find a time to come to God's house on Sunday. And that is awesome. We're glad that you're here today. We trust and pray that the message will be a blessing to you and safety in your travels as well. Uh, I'd like to say just a brief word about the ministry that God has called me into. Brother Bish said a moment ago that I have pastored for 32 years and uh, I actually went to the same Bible college that, uh, uh, you went to Hal's Anderson as well, right? A, a little before me? A lot, he, he's a lot older than I am is what he, what he meant to say there. And uh, as soon as you said Dr. Wendell Evans, I remembered exactly what, you, what uh, he was going to say there. But uh, I was there from 1986 to 1990. I, I found uh, my wife there. And uh, we, uh, she from Illinois, I was from Florida. And uh, we found each other outside of Chicago. And uh, praise the Lord, 32 years together, two children, two daughters. They're both grown and married and one little grandbaby. And after 32 years, God began working on my heart to, to launch out into a ministry that I'm entitling Advanced Pastoral Concepts, APC. And it really is just a mentoring ministry for younger pastors. That's, that's what's in my heart to do. And uh, God is opening up doors and different Bible colleges and places and just to be a blessing to pastors to go and to be with them, sometimes just for a Sunday meeting, sometimes for multiple meetings, some uh, uh, times uh, like uh, coming to preach for Dr. Townsley, a, a revival type setting, and uh, just uh, walking through the doors that God is opening. But my heart's desire is really in what I've entitled as my mission statement, and that is this. I'd like to read it to you. APC is committed to consulting, coaching, and caring. Now let me just stop and say, I believe every man of God uh, at some point, especially young men of God, needs some consulting and they do need some coaching, but they all need someone to care about them. And sometimes being in the pastorate is a very lonely place and they have to carry all of the burdens of the congregation. And, and that's what we're called to do. Don't, don't get me wrong. 
and God enables us to do that, but sometimes they have their own burdens that they don't know who to turn to. And to be able to maybe pick up the phone or to sit across the desk from me to say, look, I've been where you're at, don't give up. Hey, here's, here's what happened when I was in the valley, and, and here's the same principle that, that God can uh, allow you to, to make it through this time as well. So consulting, coaching, and caring for the shepherd so that the shepherd can grow and mature into a steward of a balanced biblical ministry in the 21st century. And, and so that's, uh, that's my, my mission, that's my aim, that's my goal, and really, I just, I just uh, resigned last January of a church where I had been for nine years and uh, I walked into a broken church. I was telling the preacher earlier, um, sometimes God calls us and changes our assignments to go to a place that uh, we would not choose to go to. But God's will is always best, amen? Sometimes God changes our assignments. And I walked into a broken church, a church that had gone through a tremendous church split, a large church. They were running about 1,000 people. And uh, 300 people in a split walked out the door over seven months of time. And, and then the Lord directed me there, and I went kicking and screaming. You ever argued with God about what, we, what you're supposed to do next? That, that was me. God, are you sure you got this right? And, uh, but we had nine wonderful, fruitful years in West Virginia. And then, then the Lord changed my assignment again. And uh, so I guess I'm just a, a nomad. I guess I can't stay anywhere long. Amen. I was 18 years in Ohio, nine years in, in West Virginia, five years before that as an associate pastor. But I love the ministry, and the ministry has been all that I've ever done and known in my life. Called to preach at age 13. And so let's get to the preaching of God's word, for that is where the power is. 1 Peter 5, please, verse number 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I began doing something in January of 2020 that I had tried to do in the past, but had never really, it had never continued in my life. It was something that I had heard others talk about. It, it was something that I knew that there was great benefit to, but I tried it for a while and I just didn't keep it going. And, and that is the concept of journaling. And this morning, I've actually brought my journal. My this is a very personal book to me. Someone bought this for me. One of my uh, one of my past staff members in uh, December, Christmas of 2019. And I began to look at it. It really is just a leather-bound book full of empty pages. Well, now it's about half full. I think I've written about that much now. And I just begin to journal. God laid in my heart January of 2020. Uh, just start writing down what God teaches you from your private devotions, from what's going on in life, what's happening in the ministry. And, and obviously, uh, as you go back and read, you can see the great hand of God in all things. Amen? Even in the valley, we find that God is good. We don't see it right then, but we can see it a little bit later. And that's what God God has done to use this book to help me. I remember as I read in preparation for this message, I opened up to the very first page, January the 1st, 2020. The very first inscription that I had to make is we awoke that New Year's Day to the death and the passing of my wife's grandmother. She was nearly 90 years of age, a great godly lady. And so obviously that first week we went to Illinois and the funeral. And, but what a great heritage and legacy. And I, I began to journal about that. I began to think about what God had done in my life and has given me also grandparents who are, are uh, fundamental Baptist uh, lovers of God and, and passing that down, their faith, to my mom and dad and, and then to me and growing up. And it just really helped me to journal about that. As I began to look through January, there were difficult days and stressors in the ministry. 
There were also some great Sundays that I began to write about and, and uh, uh, big attendances and, and God was bringing some people back and God was saving some souls, salvations and baptisms and, and memberships. And, and I mentioned a moment ago that the church I, uh, that the Lord led me to in 2013 was a broken church. And I began to pray, Lord, I don't want this church to just, uh, to, to just have healing. I want this church to go to health. You know that healing and health are two different things, right? In the process of healing, there's still some pain there. But when you get past that and you're in a healthy state again, and that's what my desire was, and I began to write through and, and I began to see God adding back to the church and strengthening the church and our Christian school and, and adding staff members to our church. And, and, and God was so good in those early months of 2020. Our Christian school was experiencing growth, and so we were having to find new uh, school teachers and staffing, and sometimes that comes with some issues. And I began to journal about all of those things. Here's what I'm saying. It was the ups and the downs of life and the ministry. And then as I began to read, I, I came to the month of March 2020. How many of you remember what happened in March of 2020? We'd never heard of that thing called COVID, right? Coronavirus. And Things begin to shut down. I shared in the Sunday school hour my daughter's wedding was supposed to take place on March the 20th. And things began shutting down and venues began shutting down and flights were shutting down and we moved it back a day. She still got married and praise the Lord for that. But I remember as I journaled about that how it affected our church. I remember as I began to read in my journal, I began to read about the folks who were, who were getting the virus. I probably like you preacher had to perform funerals of people in my church that died from the virus or complications of the virus. One in particular was a 41-year-old man that had three boys still at home and a wife. He died quickly. He got COVID and three weeks later he was gone. I remember the heartaches as I began to journal about these things. And you know, when you journal, you, you, you put the good and the bad. It, it's a reminder of the, of the balance of life and everything that God does in our lives. And I began to write in March about the physical health and the financial uncertainty and the government overreach. And I even wrote in my journal in March, the world has gone crazy. How many of you felt like that? The world has gone mad. Everything we, we knew and took for granted of what was normal, it seemed as if everything got turned upside down. But I found a song that I began to write about in, in March and April and May of 2020 in my journal. This book right here that I hold in my hand. I brought it just as an illustration this morning. There was a song that became very special to me and very special to our church. And that is the song that is the title of my message this morning. It's found in our hymnals and it goes a little bit like this. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. And you know the chorus. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of. How many of you believe that statement? And that comes actually from a passage that I'd like to preach from this morning, 1 Peter 5 and verse number 7, where the Bible says, Casting all your care, your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
Casting all your care. The word casting has the idea of throwing upon or unburdening one's self of. Of taking something that was a difficulty to you, something that was a burden to you, and you cast it off. You throw it on the shoulders of someone else. And the Bible here says in 1 Peter 5 that when you have those kind of burdens, the things that you are dealing with now, and I don't know you, I've just only met some of you just this morning, and we may never see each other again, but I know that in a crowd this size, that there are burdens here, that there are things going on in your family, in your life, behind the smiles on your faces this morning, behind the the pretty suit and dresses that you got all dressed up to come to church today. There's a heart that is broken on the inside. And may I say to you this morning, God cares about what you care about. God cares about the things that are going on in your life. And you need not take those burdens and try to walk through life with them. They will crush you. And the Bible here says, take those burdens and cast them upon the Lord. Casting all your care. He did not say just some of your care. He did not say most of your care. The Bible uses the word A-L-L, all. Everything that burdens you, everything that is a problem to you, everything that is a difficulty, every trial that you're going through. And I, I mentioned in the, and I hope this is not hurtful at all, but Brother Bish, you have been such a stalwart uh, through this in, in losing a spouse and losing a leg and all of the heart issues that he's had. Uh, but, but to find a man that takes those cares and casts them upon the Lord. Someone say amen right there. And may I just say, yes, you've watched your pastor go through valleys, but you're going to go through valleys as well. And if you're not in a valley now, you're going to be in a valley. Or maybe you're just coming out of a valley. You teenage boys, at some point, I promise you that in life, things are going to happen that you didn't see coming and you don't understand. And they're going to be cares. And if you're not careful, they will crush you if you do not cast them upon the Lord. Aren't you glad we have a God that asks us to unburden ourselves and to let him take our burden for us? Casting all your care, all of your fears, all of your failings, all of your finances and the worries that come with that, even in this economy, amen, inflation like it is and interest rates going up and some of you that are retired have maybe lost some some money in the stock market or most of what you had in the stock market. Can I just say to you, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God is going to take care of you. The stock market is not uh, what's going to save you, my friend. Your God is what's going to save you. So whatever is happening, the fears, the failings, the problems, the financial issues, the the family issues, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but God says, cast your cares upon me. What are your cares? They're the things that you love the most. The things that you care about. What what, what do you care about this morning? Uh, Do you care about your children this morning? I I would say you probably do. Do you you care about the things that God has given to you, the blessings that God... You care about that and you care deeply And God says, when those things are hurting, when those things are at a breaking point, when you're not sure where to turn, there's one that is ready to take those burdens from you. Casting all your care, notice this, upon him. In verse 4 of our text, if you just let your eyes wander a couple of verses higher, it's speaking of Jesus who's called the chief shepherd. Do you see that in verse 4? When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And I know the passage is speaking to elders or to pastors about because we are called shepherds, but he said the, the under shepherd cannot take the place of the chief shepherd. 
And there's a place for your pastor to pray for you. And there's a place for you to come and counsel with your pastor. And I would encourage you to do so. But watch, my friend, when he comes to the end of the ability to help you with your burdens, you have a chief shepherd that is there ready to cast all of those things upon and take those things from you because he loves you. And we're going to talk a lot about the shepherd and the sheep relationship. We're going to talk from Psalm 23 in just a moment. But the Bible here says in verse 7, I can cast my care upon him for he careth for you. The word care or careth is mentioned two different times here in this passage. I don't know if either you yourself have had need of this or if you have been the one that has had to give care to another. Maybe a mother or a father that's gotten ill, maybe a grandparent, maybe a close friend. We often call them caregivers, right? Uh, we call them someone that comes in and they're there through the night. They're there to, to take care of the, of the uh, physical issues, sometimes the emotional issues, often spiritual issues of one that is going through a difficult time. Aren't you glad that God is the best caregiver there ever was? Do you know sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you wish you had someone uh, to take your burdens and care, someone physically, as a little child once said, I just need someone with flesh on, amen? And I know that we need that, but if you do not have that today, may I say to you, your heavenly Father takes good care of you. God will take care of you. And so I began to think about this, this concept of God being a great caregiver. I began to think, how does he do that? How does he show that? If you're a note taker this morning, I'd like to give you a few points. They all start with the letter P. Uh, in, in, in my preaching over the years, I'm a very uh, consecutive preacher. I preach a lot of series. I like a lot of outlines and, and acrostics. And so these will be things that I think, uh, Lord willing, you can take away from this Sunday morning message to say these are the ways that God cares for me. Number one, God cares for us provisionally. Provisionally. Obviously, the root word of the word provision, provisionally is provision, or our word provide. God is able to provide what we need. I mentioned a moment ago the shepherd and the sheep. In Psalm 23, the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack. There's nothing that the sheep have need of that the shepherd is not able and willing to lead them to the green pastures, to lead them to the still waters, to bring them through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because the shepherd always provides what is best for the sheep. I shall not want. There's no lack of anything that I'm going to need. David said it this way uh, in Psalms that he has never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. David said, and David was a shepherd, right? Physically a shepherd. And he said, I know how much I care for those little sheep. And can I say to you, my friend, as much as a shepherd cares physically for the, the little uh, uh, bleeding lambs and the sheep, he much more cares for you because you are his child. The Bible says if he can take care of the sparrows and what they need, how much more shall I be able to take care of those that call me their father? And I'm just saying to you this morning that your God wants to care for you provisionally. There's nothing that will take, take God by surprise of that which you need. Provisional direction in life. And I want to just say, and if you don't mind, to go back to Genesis 22 with me in the Old Testament for just a brief illustration of God's provision and really the most important provision that there is, and that is the provision of himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Do you know the story in Genesis 22? You're turning there, please. Story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham has been asked of God to offer his only son, Isaac, on an altar in death. Abraham is, is on the way up Mount Moriah. He's about to, to obey God, and, and, and he doesn't understand. Take, take the life of my firstborn son, the, this seed that was a promised seed, this one that I've waited for for so long. And I don't understand, God, why you're asking me to do this. We pick up our reading in Genesis 22 and verse number 5. And Abraham said unto the young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. This is not my message, but often sacrifice is a part of our worship. Often in showing God how much we love him, there's something that he asks from us as a, as a sacrifice. And it seems as if God is asking too much here in verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm thinking about how this story is unfolding. And I'm thinking about Isaac, who maybe was a, a teenage young man. Uh, we don't know exactly his age, but probably an older teenager. And he's walking up the mountain and he says, Dad, we've got the fire. Dad, we've got the wood. And, uh, and I know we're supposed to go and sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And he begins to look around and, and maybe he's starting, it's starting to sink in. Is this truly going to happen? Is, this is, is my father truly going to sacrifice me because of, of a request that God has made? He goes on to say in verse 7, And Isaac spake unto his father. He said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Please look at verse number 8 with me. And Abraham said, My son... Would you read now next, church, with the, the rest of the phrase with me? Ready? God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Look this way. And I just wanted you to see that for that word provide right there. And I want you to notice that God said, when you don't understand, and Abraham, when you are going in worship and in sacrifice to be obedient to my command, I want you to know that I am there to provide even when you don't see it. And you know that when they got to the top and Isaac was about to, be, uh, about to be sacrificed, the knife was raised and God stopped him and said, hey, over in the thicket, there's a ram. Hey, just like for our sin debt, look this way, and I want to make this point before we move to the next. The greatest thing that God wants to provide in your life is salvation through the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. That's the greatest provision you need. You say, no, I need a lot of money. No, you need salvation. Uh, I need better health. No, you need the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, my friend. That's where it has to start because God said he will himself be the sacrificial lamb in the person of Jesus Christ. And we know that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are all one. And so when he said God will provide, he knew that he was speaking of the very Son, Jesus Christ, that he would send as the Lamb of God. Can I say to you this morning, if God has not yet provided salvation for you, please take him up on the best offer you've ever had. Today, in just a moment, at the invitation, come and let someone take the Bible and show you how you can be truly saved of your sins, not by being a good person, not by joining a church, not by doing some good works, but rather by taking the provision that God gave through his son, Jesus Christ. Number one, God will take care of you provisionally. Secondly, God will take care of you particularly, particularly. Would you go with me to Psalm 23? I've already referenced it. I'd like you to put your, your eyes on it if you don't mind. I know it's very familiar. We're talking about the shepherd of the sheep, Psalm 23. 
Everybody still with me this morning? You got that extra hour of sleep, right, that you were supposed to have, right? And uh, so we're awake and alert and ready to receive the teaching and the preaching of God's Word this morning. God said, I want to take care of you and all of your needs, but I want to do it in a way that you know that I know you. I don't know if you got that or what I just said, that God said, I want to take care of you because I know you. Do you know that God knows everything about you? God knows you better than you know yourself. God made you. You're his creation, and you're his child. And he said, I am a shepherd, in verse 1, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to see the personalization of this relationship here. I want you to see the particular nature that the shepherd knows of the needs of the sheep. He goes on to say, notice if you don't mind, I shall not want, I shall not lack. There's no need that I have that is too great for my God to take care of. Verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Notice that. Do you see how personal this is? Look this way, church. The Lord is my shepherd. He is taking care of my needs. When I go through a valley of the shadow of death, verse number four, I don't have to worry. I do not have to fear. Why? Because he is with me. I am walking with you, the shepherd says. Do you see the particulars of your soul and your life and the needs that you have? I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Aren't you glad the shepherd knows what you need this morning? He knows if you're a sheep that has wandered away. Remember Isaiah 53? All we like sheep have, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. How many of you, God came looking for you one day? When you were out not looking for him, he came knocking on your door. He knew you needed him. He knows the particulars of your life. He knows, number one, provisionally how to care for you. Number two, particularly how to care for you. You know that God cares about the little details of life. And can, I, can I go back to my journal just a moment? And again, I brought this on purpose. Yes, I shared with you as I began to write in 2020, but about 10 months ago when I was resigning my church and launching out into faith in a new ministry, I continued to journal and I began to look and see how God was taking care of all of the little details of my life that I didn't have figured out. God... We have a house to sell, and we're going to move over to New Jersey. And, and there were reasons for that. My son and daughter-in-law and little grandbaby live there. How many know that there's a magnetism of grandchildren that sometimes pulls grandparents? Amen. And I knew that, that I wanted to work out of Solid Rock Baptist Church. God had laid that on my heart, and Pastor Clark and I go way back to Bible college days. I knew it would be a, a good place here in the Northeast, but it was all unknown to me. And can I just say to you, even things like selling my home, how many of you know that the housing market has been just astronomical in the last year or so? Prices just going up. We had just built a house five years ago. It wasn't a large house, but it was, it was ours and a little piece of land, and we loved it. Even things like, as God led me to resign, I sold the house, sold our house at the top of the market. Don't tell me God doesn't care about things like that for his children. I didn't know that that was, I didn't do it for that reason, but it was like an added benefit that God said, stamp of approval, it's okay, I'm going to take care of your needs. I wonder if you have that kind of relationship with God where he knows the particulars of your needs and he wants you to tell him what those are. 
cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain thee. Number three, can I say that God wants to take care of you parentally. As a father, go back with me please to Luke and chapter number 11. Quickly we'll turn there. Luke 11. You know the passage. It's the great prayer passage. Jesus is, is uh, teaching his disciples about their ability to come to the Father. And he prays. And these are the model type prayers that we are to pray. But I want you to notice in Luke 11 in verse number 2. He says, when ye pray, here's who you address this prayer to. Our, talk to me church, our Father. Our Father. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Is in your King James Bibles, is Father capitalized? Yeah, so who's that talking about? God our Father, right? It's a, it's a personal name. Aren't you glad to know that God, amongst all of his other names, he is Elohim and he is God, he is Jehovah and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's also Father. That's personal, isn't it? And God will take care of you, here's my word, parentally. I don't know what kind of parent you had. You may not have had a, a good parent. Maybe your parents weren't saved. And maybe, maybe someone's here. You had a mom or dad that walked out on you. And, and I understand in the earthly realm, sometimes that happens. Do you know that your heavenly father will never walk out on you? <laughs> your heavenly father loves you and will love you till the end. Until he receives you unto himself in a place called heaven that Jesus has been preparing for the last 2,000 years because he said, I'm your father, I know what you need and I will take care of you as a parent takes care of a child. Skip down to verse 9. Again, the passage, Luke 11, 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. He's saying, hey, come and ask. Come and seek. Come and knock. What are the needs? What are the problems? What are the, the issues that you're having in your life? Come and ask me. And then he uses the illustration, verse 10, for everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And then he uses an illustration. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a, what? A father. Wait a minute, that, that father is a small F, right? A lowercase f. Look this way. So first he was talking about the heavenly father. Now he's using an illustration of an earthly father. And he says, look, if an earthly father has a son that comes and asks, and he gives some illustrations, and, and we won't take time because we're not teaching really from this passage. He said, but if he asks certain things, is he going to give him something bad for him? If he asks bread, is he going to give him a stone? Well, the answer is no. Why? Because a dad wouldn't do that. And then he gets to verse 13. Look at it. Oh, I love verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, physically. Next three words, church, ready? How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Hey, you've got a Father that not only knows what you need, but is willing to give you what you need according to His will. He's taking good care of you as a parent. I have two daughters. Now, they're married now, and I've got sons-in-laws that take good care of them, right? But I'll be honest with you, there have been times in the last years that my kids have been married that they've come to see Mom and I just alone. They didn't bring son-in-law with them, you know? And uh, he had to work or whatever, and they're there. Guess who still pays the bills when we go out, out to the restaurant? When the married daughter is still there, guess who takes care of it? Dad does. They don't, they don't ever fight over the bill. They never say, Dad, let us take care of it. You know why? Because Father's been taking care of it for a long, long time. 
Now, I use that as a funny illustration, but isn't that the way God our Heavenly Father is? He says, look, I know what you have need of. In fact, I know what you need even before you know what you need because he's God. And he says, just let me take care of it. Let me provide what you cannot provide for yourself parentally. The Father will never fail you nor forsake you. He'll never falter. He'll never faint. He'll never flee. And God never forgets. But He's always willing to forgive and forbear and fulfill His promises. Because He is your Father that is willing to take good care of you. Can I say number four and quickly, God also takes care of our needs presently. Psalm 46 and verse number 1. Don't turn there, but I'll just quote it for you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. God God never will say, "I'll, I'll get around to it. Now, we may think that God didn't come on time. I'm thinking of the story right now in John 11 when Mary and Martha lost their brother and Lazarus. And the Bible says that Jesus waited four days before he came And they're wondering, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Hey, what seems like a failure on our part, that God didn't show up. God, our Heavenly Father, is always right in the present, ready to fulfill his will in our needs because he is a present God. He knows what you need today. He knew what you needed yesterday. And my friend, he knows what you need tomorrow. He is a present help in time of trouble. Number five, God is patiently taking care of our needs. I mentioned a a caregiver. Do you know that sometimes when you're not feeling well, when maybe you're in the throes of a disease, maybe a cancer patient, maybe at the end of their life and racked with pain, sometimes we're not good patients, right? But the caregiver has to look past that. The caregiver realizes that this is maybe the disease talking or it's the medication talking. And I just need to continue to give care patiently. You know, some of the best nurses, the best mothers, seems to be that that's the maternal instinct. I, I don't know about you, but do you remember when you skinned your knee, you never went to your dad. You went to mom. Dad just said, oh, get over it. We'll put a band-aid. Okay, now it's good. Mom weeps over you and cries over you, washes it. and all. You know, you know why? Because mom knew what you need. She's a good caregiver. And you know that God takes care of you patiently. And sometimes when we're sick, we whine around. Come on, husbands. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, your, mom, your wife gets the flu. Look, 24 hours, we need you to be over that because we need this and this and that. We get it, and we're like little babies in the bed for a week. All right, does everybody know what I'm talking about? And God, and God just patiently takes care of us. Patiently. Look, what, 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 what is God dealing with in your life in the issues that he's had to be patient and kind and beneficent with you? Boy, God puts up a lot from us, doesn't he? but he loves us in spite of us. Aren't you glad that he loves you in spite of us? Because he does it patiently. I'm almost done. Number six, God takes care of us powerfully. Powerfully. We we sang that song a moment ago, God will take care of you. He didn't say take care of your own needs. 
He didn't say, let somebody else take care of you. He said, hey, I'm God. I'm your father. I am the one that you can count on. I am the, the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the king of kings. I am the all-powerful one. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. Our God is eternal. And he said, that's the one that's going to take care of your needs. And I can do that with great power because I am God. Can God raise from the dead? Well, he did in the New Testament through the power of Jesus Christ. Can God heal a cancer patient if he chooses? Absolutely. Can God turn your finances around? Absolutely. Can God save that, that, that lost uh, uh, mom or dad or son or daughter or uh, someone away from the Lord? Can God do those things? Absolutely. Because God is your powerful God that takes good care of your needs. And he does so in great power because he is God. He's the eternal God. The word eternal there means that there is no beginning or ending. I love the song that, uh, uh, that one of the groups uh, here in, in our generation sing. I don't remember who it is. But the song is entitled, Fear Not Tomorrow, For God is Already There. Think about that, the eternality of God. I don't have to, is God my present God? Absolutely. Is he taking care of today? Absolutely. But God is already in tomorrow. You're not there yet. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in my life. I don't know if I'm going to lose a spouse. I don't know if I'm going to get in a car accident. I don't know if I'm going to have a diagnosis of cancer. And you don't know either. But guess what? God knows what's going to happen in your life. Because God's already been there. It's his perfect will being played out in our lives. And that's why we can trust him. That goes back to the Sunday school hour, right? Where we started this morning. Trust in the Lord. And you can trust in the Lord and you can trust in your Father and you can trust in the God that cares for every need that you have. I'm going to ask you to go to John 14 for our last point. John chapter number 14. May I say lastly, in addition to God taking care of you provisionally and particularly and parentally and presently and patiently and powerfully, lastly, He'll take care of you peacefully. And I think that sometimes in this old world, and I'll go back to COVID a moment. I don't know, during COVID, I was still pastoring, obviously, and so many of my messages were about peace and trust and faith and letting God work when we did not understand. Look at John 14, please, and we'll be done. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Hey, church, look at me. That's a promise from our Savior. I know it looks bleak right now. I know the last days are seemingly upon us. Can I just say that just brings us a day closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep this promise right here. I'm going to come again. I'll receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Skip to verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice, comforter is a capital C there. We know it's speaking of the Holy Spirit of God. That he shall abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Look, look at me, church. Jesus was saying, I'm about to go away. You know this passage. I'm going to go to the cross. 
You don't understand this, but this is why I have come. I did not come to, to, to take the Roman government and kick them out. I'm not a political savior. I am a spiritual savior. I'm going to go to the cross. I, I'm going to shed my blood and die. I'm going to raise again from the dead, and then I'm going back to my father. But I have to do all of that because I want to send you a comforter. I want to send you the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know why, church? When you get saved, he comes to dwell within the temple of the Holy Ghost, the body of the believer. We get comfort from the inside out when we're going through difficulty, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I have to go away so that this can happen. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Skip down, please, real quick. Verses 26 and 27, and we'll be done. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Verse 27, first word. Say it real loud, church. Ready? Peace I leave with you. My Peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Look at me, and I'm done. Peacefully is how God takes care of my needs. He gives, even in the times of storm, sometimes God does not take the storm away, but he'll give you peace and calm in your heart to go through the storm. You know that sometimes we have to go through storms so that we realize our dependency on him. We realize we, remember Jesus was just able to say, peace be still. I, I, you can put your hand in front of your problems all you want to. If it's not the will of God for them to be done yet, they're going to continue to come. So just settle in and say, God, let the Spirit of God give me peace that takes care of my burdens. Peace in the midst of the storm. An old song way back in the 70s I used to sing as a teenager. Sometimes God allows us to go through difficult seasons of life. I don't know what you're going through right now. Your pastor may not even know. You may, maybe haven't shared with him your heart's burden and, and, and desires of life. I'm a guest pastor today. I, I don't know what you're going through. But can I say under the authority of the word of God this morning, and everything that we have preached about how much God takes good care of us, would you take God up on that offer today? Casting all your care upon him, not upon me, not upon him, upon him. For he careth for you. And the first thing he wants to fix in your life is to forgive your sin. Remember we said under provision, he wants to provide a lamb, the blood of Christ. If you're not saved, in just a moment when we have the invitation, would you come? We will not embarrass you in any way, I promise you that. But I promise you that the Bible will be taken by someone that can show you the simple gospel story about how Jesus can forgive your sin. To take that sin away, to give you a home in heaven one day when you die, that's your greatest need of all. But after you're saved, God still is taking good care of you. As a shepherd, as a parent, as the Spirit of God comforting you. So maybe this morning you are dealing with burdens. Maybe you want to come to the altar and just say, Lord, I, I've been trying to take care of all of this myself and I'm overwhelmed. God, help! Cast those cares upon the Lord, for he careth for you. Would you stand with me, please? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, please, 
help this wonderful, wonderful body of believers that are here assembled at the Heritage Baptist Church in Wallingford, Connecticut. Lord, these are dear and sweet and precious people. Lord, I know that, that most of them, if not all, have put their faith and trust in you today as their Savior. But Lord, I know that life brings us through the ringer and that often there are heartaches and heartbreaks that we cannot sustain on our own power. And Lord, maybe someone's here about to break. Lord, I pray that this morning they will cast all of their care upon you. And Lord, that they will be encouraged that you care for us in every particular personal area of life. Please, Lord, do what only you can do in your great mercy and grace. Thank you for loving us. Bless this time of invitation now, I pray.